Hello and welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast. I'm Frank Days, your host today. This podcast is a place where marketers can discuss, debate, and learn about ways people are adapting agile principles to meet the needs of an increasingly social and real-time world. Before we jump into today and meet today's guest, I'd like to introduce my co-host for the podcast, John Cass. John, how are things going today? Oh, very well, Frank. Uh, how about yourself? How well, you we're, it's, it's warmed up a little bit, although cold today. We've seen maybe the first bits of melting here in Boston, so that's always exciting. Oh, well, I can tell you down here in uh, a sunny Greensboro, it's about 47 degrees. Oh, my. Well, I know you've got about two weeks until spring, and we've got about two months. So, Indeed, indeed. Yeah, that we uh, we definitely get uh, a spring a little bit uh, earlier here and uh, not so much of the um, the snow shoveling. Great. Well, why don't we jump into the conversation today? I'd like to welcome our guest today, Alan Belniak, Director of Social Media Marketing for PTC. Um, Alan's story is pretty interesting because he came to marketing from product management where pretty much all his life was agile. So we're hoping today on the show we'll take the time to explore the differences and potentials of agile in marketing. Well, welcome to the podcast, Alan. Hey, guys. Great. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks. Great. Well, why don't we jump in? Alan, can you share a little bit of your experiences with Agile? Sure. So uh, your your setup in the beginning was was pretty accurate. I joined PTC about three and a half years ago, and I joined a product management team. And that was actually my first experience in product management. And on that particular piece of software, we were operating in an Agile environment. So I kind of dove in. You know, rolled up my sleeves and started learning the basic tenets and principles of agile mark. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, of agile development. Here I am jumping ahead of myself, and um, that's kind of like what I learned. And along the way, I learned some of the differences between agile and waterfall development. But what I didn't have, which is what some of the other people had, was that comparison between waterfall and agile. So I kind of, you know, quote unquote, only knew agile, and so I learned. Uh, how to do uh, three-week sprints and then uh, refactoring and planning and costing and capacities and those kinds of things, all those things that are common to agile development. And then uh, I was in that role for about two years, and then about 18 months ago, I transitioned into the marketing department where, as you said a moment ago, I now head up social media. Alan, that must have been a bit of uh, an adjustment for you working in a development environment that was agile product uh, management. Um, then you moved to marketing, which was more uh, waterfall. Uh, what was that? What was the biggest adjustment for you in that sense? That's a great question. I, the, the biggest thing for me was moving from the period where you would operate in a three-week cycle um, and just go, go, go. And, and I'm speaking from the product management role. I wasn't even one of the developers or the coders, and they're they're really in the thick of it. I was more from the supervisory kind of oversight role, but still was part of those meetings. And you meet every after an end of every three weeks. You review what you did. You talk about it. And I when I moved into a traditional marketing role, uh, I kind of like was a little surprised. It took me a little while to kind of adjust to do that whole. We're going to do a lot of upfront design, a lot of upfront planning, a lot of uh, you know, Q1, 2, planning, like four quarters of planning of marketing, uh, which was surprising to me because sometimes I didn't know what I was doing on my own agenda three weeks from now, but yet I have to figure out how I'm going to spend some money 11 and a half months from now. And that, that was the biggest challenge, I think. How did you make that? How was uh, Agile Marketing introduced into the company? Was that something you brought in or was it something that uh, some other colleagues uh, suggested? 
it was an external uh, influence. It was um, it was in kind of in place on the team that I had joined, but it was something that was was new. I think new to the overall structure of my company. I think different pockets of it were existing, but in general, again, you know, on average, in general, we were a waterfall shop with small pockets of agile, and that's changed actually since um since I've joined. Now we're doing more. And more agile, and and we're and we're still doing some some waterfall. It all depends on which piece of software we're talking about. But it's interesting to see uh, kind of some of the water cooler uh, debates, the pros and cons of agile, the pros and cons of waterfall, and so on and so forth. Because uh, I think more more than technology, it's more about the culture. It's through a typical example of uh, an agile agile versus waterfall conversation that you might have. The the notion of having to create full-on requirement documents of how the feature is going to look and having a seven or eight page plan of how this feature is going to operate it will do this and you're if you can imagine yourself in microsoft word you're on the your your seventh or eighth level of indentation in an outline um, because you're talking about every which way the function can operate and then you throw it over the wall to dev and then dev goes dark for three or four months or however long it takes and then you see something after that and then you're like oh Okay, this isn't quite what I thought, or this is exactly what I thought. You know, let's let's, let's be candid because sometimes things work out well. Whereas in agile, it's you're kind of there all along. You, you're seeing bits and pieces. You're seeing that kind of thing evolve, and you get a chance to make tweaks and adjustments, or confirmations, or head nods, or head shakes as you go along. And I think that was the biggest difference, uh, uh, biggest uh, comparison for me. And that was kind of the flavor of the conversations at the water cooler that I heard. Do you see yourself in specific project areas where people have a greater propensity for agile? Hmm. I think it's funny because I think there's a greater propensity for it in terms of looking at the tenets of agile. And what I mean by that is saying there are people that I work with and people that surround me, whether they're in marketing or not, who have the general theme of just, man, I wish I could get get this done faster, and I wish I didn't have to go through you know X rounds of review, whatever X may be. It could be two, it could be 20, I don't even know. But the basic notion of, I wish I could, uh, like you guys mentioned on your previous show, I want to push that authority and that decision-making down into me. And not so much that I don't want feedback from above, but I want to be able to take something off of their plate. I don't want to saddle... The, the people at the top of the pyramid with all of the decisions because they only have a limited amount of time. And if I could change that decision-making model, I think I could get more stuff done. Those are the kinds of things that I'm hearing, and those that, that's the propensity, I think, that would work for, for agile marketing. But the, the, the reality is I don't think a lot of people are calling it agile marketing. I think they're just saying, I want to do this a little bit differently. And they just don't know, they, they don't know what the term for differently is. Well, it's an ongoing challenge of doing the same stuff faster Versus doing something mm-hmm. fundamentally different and getting a lot more work done. Yes, you know, and and I think the counter argument to that, uh, going back to what are some of the pros and cons I hear about agile versus waterfall to, at the at the water cooler is that when you have these three three week meetings and you talk about uh, the review and you talk about the planning, some people say, well, gee, isn't that an awful lot of overhead? You know, there's an awful lot of time when you're not coding and you're not developing but you're spending time reviewing what you did. Whereas if I could take that overhead out, that's time I could be spent actually creating, which, you know, that that's a fair point. But again, that goes back to the whole um, pluses and minuses of Agile versus Waterfall. But isn't that the whole point of Agile in a way, which is you're trying to figure out what 
is most important. And through that iterative process, you, especially when you pr uh, provide the, the product owner uh, an opportunity to communicate much more easily, um, you have a better idea for the project of actually knowing what needs to really get done. And so therefore that process helps with that. I, I think um, once, uh, at least in my, in my limited experience, once agile programs kind of hit their stride and start to run like that well-oiled machine, that the sense of these meetings every X weeks, however long your sprints are, as overhead, uh, that feeling diminishes and those become more valuable. But at the outset, I think they are seen as overhead and the whole sense of ownership by a uh, scrum master, project manager, whatever you want to call it, um, isn't readily established. But, uh, but John, to your point, I think, again, once you kind of settle in, then the value starts to really reveal itself. Yeah, people tend to frame things in, against what they know. So if you said to someone, we're going to meet five days a week, they think, oh, no, five more meetings on my calendar. I can't take this. I'm going to slip my wrists. Right, uh, but right. When, you have the, when people sort of realize that, these meetings are going to be 10, 15 minutes and you're going to spend maybe an hour to an hour and a half, but it, you spend, it you end up spending less time overall on your project because you're doing it, even though you're spending maybe slightly more time per week meeting. Right. For, for us, no, again, it's been, it's been 18 months since I've been in the, uh, uh, been a PM in the group I, I mentioned earlier, but we had our standups uh, Monday through Friday at from 12 to 1210. Um, and that was picked specifically because that didn't interfere with people's commute times. Um, everyone pretty much was at work during the lunch hour and everyone wanted to eat lunch and not do work. <laughs> like, like, so by saying, look, we're going to chew 10 minutes of your lunch hour, that almost forced it to be short. I mean, because no one wants to sit there and blab on and on and on about something when uh, that could be time spent to, for me eating my sandwich. Well, it, this gets into a, a cultural question in a way, which is um, how does how do those meetings affect the morale and the cohesiveness of the the group? I mean, is that one of the aspects that uh, keeps you from being more agile? Well, let me respond in I guess a couple of different ways. Primarily, I think it helped the team I worked on group together because you got to learn what other people were working on, which is, I guess, you know, one of the values of working in an agile development process. But also, we were taking a fundamentally, maybe um, a seasoned product and kind of putting a whole fresh face on it. So there are some people who joined our team, our development team, who had not been around the product as long as other people had. So, and we were also doing extreme programming, pair programming. So we got to do that whole side-by-side -side working together, and that was really effective for some of the newer people to learn what the existing code base was like. So from that perspective, it was really fantastic. One perspective that we found to be particularly limiting was the fact that we are a distributed work team. So we had a, a core team of developers here in the U.S., and we had a core team of developers also in Israel. And when you try to do stand-ups uh, across time zones and across offices, that became a little bit of a challenge. And since I departed the team, they've kind of resolved that. But that is something to keep in mind. I think if whether you're doing agile development uh, or agile marketing is that when you start to fragment uh, through geographies, those work teams, um, you introduce a set of challenges that might not be readily visible. It's about some of those challenges that you guys uncovered? For one thing, it's just a, it's just a time zone, right? So when you want to eat, when you want to meet at, at noon, at noon your time, it's not noon your time everywhere. <laughs> so that's one thing. 
Uh, also, if you have different uh, days of the week uh, that you work, so for example, our dev teams in Israel worked uh, Sunday through Friday. Um, I'm sorry, Sunday through Thursday and took Friday and Saturday off, where in the U.S. we worked Monday through Friday. So there's a different, uh, different time twist there. And then also whether you just did everything via voice or tried to do video chat, because I think you can communicate a lot more with some physical body language, uh, when you, whether you meet in person or through video versus just a phone call. So it wasn't that they couldn't be overcome. It's just that in the, at the outset, it's just something for, for anyone listening to, the, to, the, to this episode in this series of podcasts, The Marketing Agilities, keep, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as you move forward that if you're going to have a distributed work environment, it's not going to be uh, exactly smooth uh, when you first start. Alan, uh, when will we know that marketers get it with Agile Marketing? That's a, that's a great question. I, I think, in my opinion, I think we'll start to understand when marketers get it for Agile, agile Marketing and Agile Thinking when they start doing it without using the term Agile. When they start saying, hey, I have this idea, I have a framework for it, I think I know how I'm, I want it to look, what's up, what's the three or four of us huddle up and chat about it and get a framework down? And you go to that meeting and you know that you're not going to walk out of that meeting with a 99% clarity on what that deliverable, that asset, the idea is going to be. But you have enough information to move forward and you have a fuzzy picture of the end goal. And then you get that meeting request about a, you know, two or three days later to say, hey, let's check back in real quick just for 10 or 15 minutes to see how it's going. And when you kind of start to see it happen without saying we're going to call it Agile, that's when I think, in my mind, that's when marketers are going to start to get it when they start doing it without calling it agile. I see. So some of the true agile, really truly agile-like behavior, agile with a small a rather than agile with a capital A. Exactly. Some of the things like living with the uncertainty that you're not going to have a 12-month plan. Just flying, I don't want to say blind because you're certainly not flying blind, but not having the full roadmap and being comfortable with that. So, yes. So let me, let me ask you a question about for you at, at PTC, your boss. How do you convince your boss or your colleagues to consider using Agile? Well, that's a, that's a process I'm kind of in right now, which isn't to say that my idea and my vision is the best way. It's just trying to convince people that there is a different way. And whether or not it works is a different story. But for me, it's, it's, it's more along the lines of when we do budget planning at the beginning of our fiscal year and we're trying to forecast how we're going to spend our last you know, $1,000 that's 11 and a half months out, it's me kind of raising my hand and raising an eyebrow saying, is it really pragmatic to think that we know how we're going to spend our last thousand dollars of whatever our budget is 11 and a half months from now when the reality is, yeah. I don't even know what I'm really doing three months from now. And the reality is that in the couple of years since I've been in this organization, we've met six months through the fiscal year to kind of do a course correction slash rehash. And if you're going to meet every six months to do a course collection, course correction and a rehash, aren't you really in a way, doing agile marketing anyway. So it's it's more about bringing that kind of thinking to the forefront as opposed to making it an afterthought. Yeah, it's, an actu- it's an interesting challenge that marketers are going to face as people are out there trying to champion agile that typically budgets are cast on twelve month over 12-month periods and adjusted over six months. Just like you talked about, that's pretty much everywhere I've ever worked. That's the way we've operated. Yet programs, results, markets, trends – sales focus changes quarterly or even sad to say sometimes monthly right now no I, I think as a as a as a tech organization i think we do a really good job of trying to react to to market trends to our own financial data to our sales data and things like that don't get me wrong but i think uh along with those reactions comes a lot of um 
a lot of work, right? So it's not to say that we're doing a bad job. I'm just looking at wondering, it. can we make it more efficient by operating through a different model? I spoke at a local MBA program. I won't name the university in downtown Boston. And one of the students asked me, well, doesn't Agile ultimately give you programs that have less quality? That, that, that was the reaction to the phrase Agile marketing? Yeah, it was an interesting thing because there was sort of this belief that if you spent more time carefully planning you'd come up with a much better product, much better program. I think, you know, I'm going to throw out a phrase here or a cliche. This gets back down to uh, don't make you know, good the enemy of excellent or don't make good the enemy of great, right? Which isn't to say you want to put out 85% quality, but I think with anything that anyone does, whether it's a marketing program, an asset, a piece of code, uh, painting your house, um, anyone who's ever done drywall or sheetrock work in their house can attest to yeah. this. You, you can sit there and... and put joint compound layer after joint compound layer over and over again until you think it's perfect. But it comes to a point where you say, you know what, I've done, I've done it. It's, it's, it's looking really good. And only I can see the imperfections in it. And so when you start to sit there and say, I'm going to iterate over and over and over again versus iterating to a point where it's going to work, that's when you need to kind of let go. Well, there's an interesting thing. Folks like John and you and I, whose careers are principally about new media, social media, and the, the kind of interaction between old media and new media kind of have been raised to be comfortable with uncertainty and good enough. Right. John, I mean, how do your clients, and this is an interesting question for John, because I know a lot of your clients are print publications, right? Yeah. How, how do you sell them on that idea of good enough? Well, I think that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, I, I, think it's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's a matter of understanding exactly what, what their goals are and and then also going through the process of selling how the iterative process works because if you're in a situation especially if it's a you know maybe a technology client um, you've got to explain that we live in a new environment where we don't always know what's happening and therefore it's really up to I think as in the case we are an agency it's really a case of us selling that idea that we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we've seen such changes in the last two years in publishing, especially in digital publishing. And, you know, the tablets come along in terms of the iPad and um, it's really, it's changing everything. Um, and we're still learning about whether it's actually going to have results or not. I mean, some of the results from um, the iPad magazines that are out there seem to indicate that maybe it wasn't such a good idea in some circumstances uh, for for revenue, but I, I think it's still early days. So I think you have to make the point with clients that we are in such a changing world, and I think they realize that. So you have to plan for that change, and using strategies like this can can help you do that. Well, I wonder if there are going to be parts of marketing which will always be waterfall. You know, I, one of the bright-eyed MBA students asked me earlier today. I mean, can you really use Agile for brand management? For brand management? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking we're not going to be changing our tagline on 30-day windows based upon feedback and our stats. Well, that doesn't that depend upon what you mean by uh, brand and how it's defined? Because I always think that in some ways that, you know, the customers have a, a role to play in that. And isn't that the marketing process where um, the customers, not necessarily them saying, oh, I want you to be this, but by buying and purchasing and saying, oh, I have needs in this area, that sort of helps make the brand in a way. I mean, you've got to, you've got to see whether that works and it's profitable for you, but um but, but you're getting that feedback from customers. So isn't that an iterative process? It is, but I'm just wondering, they were talking about coming up with a new tagline or developing a new logo. These are not things that you're going to 
take the you know as in an agile mode where we're taking the real time data, learning from it and adapting, like we do more on the programmatic side, on the social side, or on our online advertising, or even on the new digital stuff like you're doing with your clients. His point, which I thought was pretty valid, is you almost don't want to be agile with your logo and your tagline. You want to some of those some well, of those elements are going to have some. You need to let them run for a while. Well, I, okay. So here's an example. Um, I forget where I read it. It was probably. TechCrunch or or Read Write Web, but you see some startups who are trying to figure out their 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 niche in their space, and what they'll do is they'll they'll kind of come up with a logo, and they'll invite a handful of people in a either call it a private alpha, call it a call it a close community, and they'll just kind of bounce ideas off them for for a slogan, for a logo, for logo colors and things like that, and they'll basically just use a small group of people as some some baseline market testing, some focus grouping. And if you do that, if you iterate on that, I mean, isn't that a flavor? I, of, I could buy that. Right? I could buy that. Yeah. I'd buy that. So, I, I, I mean, I think it's a big brand. And if, if you look at brand management, this is what I was going to say a moment ago. I, I guess it depends how, you, depends how you define the phrase brand management. If you're going to come up with a brand new vision and a, and a steering and a, and a course for your company, I think it's tough to use Agile for there, but if you're talking about you've got your brand out there and you've got to respond to some criticisms and some yeah. and some compliments that come in, I think you need to be very agile with that. I don't think you can sit there and wait eight eight weeks for a response to a blog post. You know, I can I can definitely get that. Well, it looks like we're running up against it for our time. Um, Alan, we'd like to on behalf of John and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast. One thing I like to do at the end of the podcast is. Uh, Ask you if you had anything to share with our audience. Anything you've been reading lately? Anything you speaking anytime soon anywhere? Uh, no. First off, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I was supposed to speak at Marketing Profs in Austin, <laughs> but I got snowbound. So I, I'm a Boston-based person like Frank. So I got stuck. But um, I'm not speaking anytime soon. But a lot of a lot of things I'm reading to stay current are a daily dose of uh, TechCrunch, Mashable, and Read White Web. And things like that. So great. Well, thanks, Alan. Thank you, John. And just as a reminder, you're listening to the Marketing Agility Podcast. We are on iTunes. If you haven't already picked up the podcast from there, uh, also if you'd like to check out John's writing on agile marketing, you can check out John's blog, pr.typepad.com. And we also are having a conversation, asking questions on Quora. And finally, the the home of the Ad Marketing Agility Podcast is at agilemarketingblog.com. Again, I'm Frank Days on behalf of John Cass and my guest today, Alan Belniak. Thank you for joining us.